When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Nugent Hopkins, left circle, wrist shot, score! Patrick Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Natea Jay, who's up across the 40, he swings it to the 45, the 50, down the sidelines, he goes, Natea Jay, he's got all sorts of daylight, inside the 10, touchdown Eskimos! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, here's a fun fact. It's International Left-Handers Day. And whenever I hear someone say left hand, I immediately think of this classic piece of audio from the 2008 Edmonton Eskimos season in the booth Dave Campbell and Brian Hall. And faking the handoff around to his left. Oh, oh, he's in trouble. Throws it away left-handed. Ricky Ray threw it away left-handed. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Stefan LaForce. Oh, LaForce over there. Sorry, it was. I was going to say Ricky Ray (laughs) left-handed. Stefan LaForce was was (laughs) left-handed. Well, this is something that the Eskimos talked about in training camp that they might use is uh, go with a different quarterback at certain points of the game. Well, just to give the defense a different look, I guess. I, lo- I love that. That was awesome. I just absolutely love that. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight on International Left-Handers Day. Great left-handed quarterbacks, Steve Young, Ken Stabler, Michael Vick had some good seasons. We, we, we don't like some of the other stuff he did. And Stefan LaForce for the Edmonton Eskimos. Well, maybe he wasn't a great left-handed quarterback for the Eskimos, but he was left-handed. The Blue Jays, uh, what they score? 19 last night, leading Texas 1-0 in the bottom of the third in Major League Baseball. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. Tons of Eskimos coverage today. Christian Jones, the new kick returner for your green and gold, he's going to join us in about seven or eight minutes. We'll have a really good interview with him. But, hey, one of your Eskimos is a CFL Player of the Week. David Beard leans over the ball to get set to deliver it to Trevor Harris. He takes it, turns, gives it to C.J. Gable. Gable goes to the left side. He's got a first down. He's got a touchdown, Eskimos. C.J. Gable takes the first pie out of the oven. From the shotgun, the ball's going to go to Gable. Gable, touchdown Eskimos. C.J. Gable's got a pair, and the Eskimos have the lead. 116 yards, two touchdowns, 18 carries against Ottawa on Tuesday. Also had four receptions for 34 yards. Gable now with three 100-yard rushing games this season. He was also a player of the week back in week one, now getting ready to take on Toronto on Friday. That game's on 6.30, Chad. Pre-game show at 4. The game will start at 5.30. And at practice today, 
C.J. Gable spoke to Dave Campbell. Third 100-yard rushing game of the season. Your 12th of your career. You're over 2,000 yards uh, in your career as an Eskimo. Nice accomplishment and, and a win. We can't forget the win. Uh, yeah, you know, it uh, feels great. You know, uh, but it's a uh, team effort. You know, uh, line blocking for me good. Receivers blocking downfield, making uh, good plays for me. And, uh, you know, I'm just reading the hose and just doing me. And, uh, you know, it's just a whole team effort right there. Must have been nice because your carries have been kind of down the previous three games compared to the first three games and you're back to almost your first three game average which was close to 20 you had 18 carries and what about uh, 22 touches I think overall well uh, yeah you know um you know I don't really worry about our touches you know but if I get them I get them you know but uh you know, you see when I, when we get the when we get it going, the running game going, it, it makes a big difference. You know, sometimes we can't do it. You know, sometimes we get down and we can't run. You know, when we got to start passing the ball. But uh, that's why in the beginning we got to uh, make sure that we get the running game going early, so we won't have to do that. Can't argue with over 35 minutes time of possession. Um, that does so many good things, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, it keeps the defense fresh and uh, keeps the clock running out. You know, and we got we want to stay on the field as long as we can, and we want to drain that clock. Tell me how much that is a weapon too uh, as an offense um, because you know people like spectacular plays and 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 you know deep shots and things like that and they, they still happen you guys tried and it was just one of those games where it just wasn't there for you but how much is time of possession a weapon um, you win a lot of games with that you can if, if you got another play against another team that got a good offense you want to keep them off the field so as long as you on the field driving the ball nickel it diamond all the way down you know that's less for them making big plays you know and, and better for us so we can nickel it down and we we got to score while we're doing it, and it's better for us. And, you know, it just, it just helps the defense get reds too, so then they can be able to go out there and stop them. When you look at the – I mean, 16 points was enough, but you look at your yardage, are you going, man, we left a lot on the field? Uh, yeah, you know, we had penalties out there. You know, we got to sharpen up on that. Yeah. And we left a lot of big plays out there uh, with uh, passing the ball too, uh, uh, deep balls, you know, we dropped, and uh, or penalties, it's all that stuff. But we just still need to get stuff get going, and we still got more improvement to get – uh, to get better at, and uh, you know, and we always can get better. That's that's a, that's a good part. Of that. We can we always can go up. You know, we're not uh, settled yet. We still can yeah. go up. And you convert four third and shorts that you did it. Hey, who knows what could have happened? Yeah, I know. Like you said, we lost, we left some plays out there a lot, and uh, you know, we just gotta get better and work on the little stuff. And I think once we get that, we'll be probably be unstoppable because it's the little things that's killing. We're killing ourselves every time we're out there. So I know the goal is one and zero this week. So if you go 1-0, you're on a two-game win streak, and you win a game on the road. Uh, yeah, we just got to go 1-0. That's our whole thing, you know, 1-0. So, you know, we got to go against them. We They're 0-0, we're 0-0. So we going to get, try and get a win over them and just go on to the next game. C.J. Gable having a pretty good year for the Eskimos. He did miss a game, so he's played seven. He has 591 yards rushing, another 113 receiving. And when the Eskimos uh, stick with him, give him a chance to grind it out, he's pretty good. Strong in the second half against Ottawa, helping the Eskimos finally get that victory. And as we've seen, a very good runner after first contact. He's able to keep plowing forward, run with guys hanging off him, push for extra yardage, like what I'm seeing from C.J. Gable so far this season. In the return game, it looked better. With Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Christian Jones joining the Eskimos after being traded from Saskatchewan last week. Christian Jones, you'll get to know him a little bit better when we get back. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Jones will take it on the 12. He'll get up across the 20, the 25, the 30, the 35, who he almost snuck free but gets close to the 40-yard line. I like it. Nice return by Christian Jones. Jones will take it on the 30. To the middle, goes up the middle, to the 40, the 45, the 50. Loses a man at the 55. Great return by Christian Jones. He puts the Eskimos on the Ottawa 50. I think we like the new guy. Well, the new guy, Christian Jones, on Friday, five punt returns for 73 yards. That's a 14.6 average. Four kickoff returns for 88 yards, 22-yard average. Pretty good debut in green and gold, and I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports, Christian Jones. Hey, Christian, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, man. Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing very well, and it's nice to have you on the show. It was great to see you play for the Eskimos on Friday against Ottawa, but, man, probably quite a whirlwind the last week or so since you got traded. What what has it been like since you came over from Saskatchewan? Um, to be quite honest with you, it's been a cakewalk, man. These guys have accepted me um, into um, their team, and... Edmonton fans have done a great job supporting me and the move here and welcoming me with open arms and I'm just happy to be here. I'm, I'm I thank God every day being the, given the opportunity for them to even consider me um, when they came up with a trade. Um, I felt that it was a free, tr- uh, a fair trade um, for who they traded me for, Kenny Stafford. But I just I've just been excited to be out there playing with these group of guys. A lot of pro athletes go through it. Sometimes it can be a, a tough transition or a little unexpected, maybe. Uh, what was your experience like of, of being traded? Uh, it wasn't unexpected at all. Uh, kind of felt that it was time to make a move um, on both Saz and my part when it pertained to what was my um role on the team, being that I was healthy and still wasn't given an opportunity to play. Consider the guys, um, Piro Ford and and um, and um, and uh, Thigpen been doing a great job uh, in the return game. Um, but I still felt that I was doing, you know, carrying a load during the beginning of the season and I did get nicked up. But above all, I, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, I, I, I respect Coach Dickinson over at Saz uh, for even being open-minded, him and Jeremy O'Day. Uh, I really appreciate them for that. Um, and I just feel like they, they gave up an opportunity that uh, Edmonton capitalized on. Christian, the, the punt returner, the kick returner in the CFL is a very glamorous position. There have been some famous players who have been kick returners. For example, Henry Gizmo Williams right here in Edmonton and a lot of exciting guys around the league. It can be such an exciting and, and game-changing play. I'm wondering if you can take me down inside your helmet, take fans down inside your helmet, inside your eyes, when you catch that punt, tell me some of the things that you're looking for and some of the things going through your head when you start a punt return. Well, uh, you know, uh, Coach told me a while back, uh, 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 great return always start 
with a with a secure catch. So that's, that's the first and most important thing is securing the ball. And once you do that, um, you go into scheme format. Um, what are we trying to do here? Uh, and then as a as an individual, um, you're, you're looking for where's the seams? Um, where 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 do I have a mismatch? Um, and from there, it's just run the color and get. And for me, me personally, the way I return. My objective, my objective is to get uh, north and south. Um, I think it's. I think regardless of the return, no matter what 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 type of coverage it is, whether it's good coverage or not, the returner should always be falling for um, for for those yards for your offense to have good position for the field. Well, I, I saw you always looking up field and, and, and angled up field, even if you took it a little bit sideways uh, on Friday against Ottawa. You had a pretty good game. You averaged almost 15 yards of return, which is, you know, that's right near the top of the league if you if you do that the rest of the year. But tell me about returning on the CFL field. I mean, did you have to mm-hmm. remember to go north? I mean, I know you know that, but it, it must be tempting sometimes to try, to try to get out wide because the field's a little wider than what you played on in the United States. Oh yeah, um, I mean, returning returning is is instincts. Uh, it's not a it's not a certain way, proper way to return the ball. Um, I think that for me though, um, you know, the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, we've been the corner. Uh, that's what I call it. You know, been in the corner. But other than that, uh, uh, if my energy can can give me give me more benefit benefit me more going north and south immediately, then I'd rather do that than exert energy trying to outrun going east and west, and you're not gaining anything, or you might lose yards. So my mindset is always to be positive, regardless if it's one yard. I mean, I was positive. I wasn't zero or negative one, you know. So that's just the way I think and calculate up when I, when I return the ball. Eskimos returner Christian Jones joining us tonight on Inside Sports. He will make his second appearance in an Eskimos uniform Friday when they visit the Toronto Argos. Uh, you know, you're you're an interesting guy to talk to because you played in the United States at at the premier college. You played for for Alabama, and I and I believe you grew up in Alabama too. So, what was it like to be an Alabama kid playing for the Crimson Tide? That must be something thousands of kids dream about in that state. Oh yeah, it was it was very special. Uh, I mean, I have memories and, and things that, that will live with me forever with the accomplishments um, that I have, the people I've met, the coaches that uh, coached me there, um, which I give uh, thanks to to this day. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was just um, lucky enough to be on a team and win back-to-back championships and go to uh, two, win two SEC championships and play in different bowl games and travel all over the world. So... I really appreciate the opportunity, and, and, and it wasn't always a dream for me to play there uh, growing up, even because I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, but it wasn't a dream growing up. It was just, uh, it became a dream once once it, once I got to the realization of the fact that I was actually going there my senior year, when it all, you know, sort of sinked in on me, that's when it became, like, I'm really playing for this team, and then to do the amazing things that the 2011 and 2000 and 12 class did back-to-back was just extremely, you know, exciting and memorable. A lot of players on a roster, a lot, lot of coaches, and sometimes players are, are, are in their individual units, but you played for Nick Saban, who's, you know, obviously building a career here, and he'll be remembered as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Can you give us a little bit of insight to what he was like as a, as a head coach? 
Um, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, charismatic, um, but very serious in business. Um, you know, uh, but people, people, he comes off as like uh, uptight. People would say he's not, he's not a people's person, but. You know, you can't be a successful business business uh, person without being a uh, people's person uh, in this world. So he's definitely a people's person, but he was very smart and very detailed and, and critiqued everything that we did, not not to the fact that uh, it was um, not even constructive criticism. It was just more to the level of you being in a, being, controlling what you can control in an uncontrollable situation. And he made things very difficult for us. And I think the situations and things that we go through now in life sort of reflect those things. I still go back and think about sort of the speeches and the encouragement that he gave us and sort of the motivation that he, he empowered on us um, to, to be able to elevate our game and elevate ourselves as people, as men growing up in, in this world. So it really helped me. He, he was a father figure to me, uh, one of my father figures, because he was uh, impact on my life for four years there. And he really, you know, showed me what discipline creates and what, you know, being optimistic is all about. And it's, it, it helps me to this day. And I think me and him still to this day have a great relationship. Oh, well said. That's really interesting. I got to ask you too a little bit about your journey, Christian. Uh, you know, obviously, great college career. Um, I think you got to look with Miami in the NFL, and uh, you, I, I believe you had a you signed with Toronto before you wound up in Saskatchewan. But tell me a little bit about, mm-hmm. and, and I ask a lot of American players this about, about the decision to come to the CFL, about deciding to come to to Canada. I don't know if you knew a lot about Canada or the CFL before before you came here, but tell me about that step in the journey. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, you get caught up in, in in what we call chasing our dream, and I don't I don't really want to say you get caught up, but you you still flourish and you still feel that this is something that you want to do, and and the door closes very 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 quickly in the NFL, and uh, thankfully, and I thank God also to to the CFL, you know, organization period for you know, even allowing guys to play and extend their careers for as long as their their ability allows them to. And, like, you know, the, these relationships and the things that you see, you know, or even hear about before you get here is nothing like when you get here. And I'm saying those things are bad things. It's just the fact that in in the States, as a, as a, as a growing up playing in the States and seeing NFL and, and you know, like you said before, I went to the University of Alabama, so I've seen plenty of guys go in and out of the NFL before my time, during my time, and now to this day. So it's like um, you get to a point where you think this is your destiny, but there's always a, 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 a extra route that CFL created for guys like us to come and play in their league. And, and being and being in the being from America coming to the CFL makes it even more difficult uh, to even make a team here in the CFL because it's, it's, it's different climate, it's a different type of practicing. You're playing on turf, and some, like being from down south, some pe- some people, some athletes aren't um, they're, they're not familiar or, or 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 ever played on turf before as much as you play on turf here. So. Um, I think being here, you have to be strong-minded. You're away, you're a thousand, you're tens of thousands of miles away from home, so it's it's, it's difficult mentally. But you have to, you know, format format your mind in a different way to be able to sustain uh, sort of the uh, difficult situations that you go through here, trying to make a team. 
Christian, I just got to follow up on something you said there. You said something about it uh, being a different climate. You're telling me Edmonton and Alabama don't have the same weather? <laughs> not at, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's it's it, you know, even when I was uh, going into training camp, you know, uh, in Saskatoon, you know, from leaving um, '95 in April to come in in May, and then to get to Saskatoon, uh, Regina, and, and it's you know, we're talking 15, you know. <laughs> so I'm um, I'm um, um, I'm really, 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 really probably about right when I say the climate is very, very different here. You're, you're not the first person from the southeastern United States to tell me that, and I'm sure you won't be the last. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Hey, Christian, uh, great debut for the Eskimos on Friday. I'm sure you know about the uh, the punt return drought that the Eskimos are in, and a lot of fans are, are pulling for you to, to end that and take one back in the near future here. Thanks a lot for coming on Inside Sports Man. tonight. Oh, man, I really appreciate it, and I love the fans, and go Eskimos, man. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Well, that was a really interesting chat with Christian Jones from uh, the Edmonton Eskimos. Good talk about his experiences playing with Nick Saban and in Alabama, and I said, take me down inside the helmet on the return. What are you looking for? And he started right at the beginning. You got to catch it. You got to catch it clean if you don't have the ball. And he's looking for a hole. He knows the CFL field is wide. He said, yeah, sometimes you might bend the corner, but he wants to take it upfield. Doesn't want to dance around. And we saw some evidence of that in the game against Ottawa on Friday. Edmonton 5-3 and three back at it this coming Friday in Toronto. 4 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game's at 5.30. I mentioned it is International Left-Handers Day. John texting into 6.30, He says, Reed, I'm left-handed. Combine that with having green eyes and being a male over six feet tall. The odds of that, roughly one in 3,000. There's your totally useless info for the day. Well, I wouldn't describe it as totally useless, John. <laughs> no, that is pretty... I, I would never have known those odds. Left-handed, male, green eyes... Over six feet tall, one in 3,000. That's pretty fascinating stuff. You can text your useless information or whatever you like to 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. These next two guys will not be giving you useless information. They are going to be giving you very uh, interesting stuff. They are two players for FC Edmonton, and that club looking pretty good right now. Please welcome to studio, first of all, goalkeeper Connor James. Connor, good to see you. Good to see you too, Reed. Making yet another appearance on Inside Sports. Good for you. You keep coming back. Oh, yeah. It's always a pleasure. We were talking during the break. We had you on at least a couple times when you were U of A Golden Bear, and now you're a pro. Pretty exciting. That's right. Yeah, it was uh, for sure about a year ago that I was on last, and I enjoyed it then. Now it's uh, it's happy to or I'm happy to be here on a, a little bit of a different stage. Now, would you say, before we get into FCMs and stuff, when it comes to goal, goalkeeping, do you own every significant Golden Bears record? Like, I don't want to, I know you're a humble guy, but you started for five years, which is the longest possible time you can start in new sports. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, 
I'm I'm definitely up there. I know that there were a ton of really good goalkeepers before me with uh, the Golden Bears, but I think that the two strong goalkeepers that we had before were only in school for two and three years, maybe. So they didn't quite have the chance to be uh, accumulating all the games and all the experience that I did over my four year or uh, five years with the Bears. All right, and I also have the guy with the hottest feet in the Canadian Premier League. Well, I don't know if you've scored goals with both feet, Easton. <laughs> Easton on Garrow checking in as well. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Nice to, uh, nice to meet you. Thanks for popping up. What do you have, four goals in your last three? Yeah, that's right. And this is, and, and you weren't even playing much earlier in the season. Is that true? Yeah. Um, I had a bit of a rough start, though. I broke my hand after uh, a couple weeks into the season, so uh, that set me back about a month. All right. And, and now four goals uh, in your last three. So what do you think is working for you? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily just me. I think the team's just uh, playing really well, and I'm just uh, right place, right time. And you're a pretty tall guy. Yeah, that's right. How tall are you? 6'6". So now I said you have the hottest feet. Maybe I should have said you have the hottest head. How how are these goals going in? Yeah, I got a a couple with my head, a couple with my feet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So with with the height advantage, though, I mean, that's got to mean something when the ball's coming in on a cross or they're looking for you. Yeah, it uh, definitely makes things a bit easier. I think especially against Pacific in that last game, too, uh, the two center backs that you were going up against were both under six feet tall, yeah. so you definitely had a bit of an advantage there. Yeah. All right. Now, we should we should clarify, uh, the the last name is, is well-known in the Edmonton soccer community, Ungaro, so what's the relationship with Ross and, and others? Yeah, so Ross is my uncle. Um, very, very close, obviously, my whole life. Um, probably a big reason I play soccer and uh, really really helped me become a better soccer player and get to where I am now. You're 21 now. How old were you when you started playing? I was uh, six years old when I first played with McLeod Community League and I was terrible. I think <laughs> oh, uh, I, I don't think I took a shot all season let, it, let alone score a goal um, and then uh, I remember that summer I went to a soccer camp with my uncle Ross and uh, that's where it all changed. You got better. That You remember that early, just yeah. making that, <laughs> that jump, that was, right? That was the turning point, yeah. Yeah, so brought, you owe your Uncle Ross a lot then. Yeah, I think so. Were you always a scorer? Uh, once I uh, turned that page and uh, kind of learned how to play soccer, then, then yeah, I became a scorer at yeah. almost every level I've played at now. Okay, well, that's pretty good. And you guys were, how, how long were you guys teammates at the U of A? Uh, two years. Yeah. Yeah, so the last two years, uh, 2017, 2018, we were both on the Bears team. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, it's cool you guys are former Bears now, both playing pro in Edmonton. Connor, tell me about the the transition for you, maybe some of the options you had too when you finished with the Bears. Yeah, so uh, I had always been in close contact with the head coach of FC Edmonton, Jeff Paulus, um, while I was at, at the university playing with the Bears, and it was kind of always my goal to be signing a pro contract once I was done university. Um, it was something that I kind of thought uh, I'd like to try for a couple years if, if I can um, and just see where it takes me and if it's only a couple years then great if I can extend it into a full career then that would be amazing. Um, but yeah I was always in close contact with Jeff and he had um, kind of been in my ear a little bit when the CPL was kind of being spoken about and uh, I told him that I'd be definitely interested in, in playing for the team if that opportunity presented itself. So, um, yeah, it, it was something that was always in the back of my head while I was in university, and I'm just really happy that it came to fruition. 
what, what has been the biggest change for you from playing in U Sports to playing pro? Besides, um, you actually get a paycheck now. <laughs> yeah, that's about other things. <laughs> that's the yeah, that's that's probably the biggest difference. Um, but I would say the the quality of the the play is a little bit higher, of course, and and I think that really the depth of all the teams. I think that when you're with U Sports teams, lots of times a team will have one, two, three good players that you're saying, ah, oh, yeah, this is a player that we should probably be concerned about in this game. Um, but now looking at it every game I'm going into, I'm thinking, wow, there's uh, a lot of good players on that other team that I'm going to need to be concerned about. So I think that that's probably the biggest difference. What about for you, Easton, as as a scorer? I mean, imagine you're being marked and, and defended much differently, probably more aggressively than you would have been in U Sports. Yeah, um, definitely the defenders are more physical, more aware, um, they're obviously better trained, uh, watch video and analyze and kind of know what players' tendencies are. But, uh, I mean, the, the past three games, the four goals I've scored, they've all just kind of been uh, my positioning, right place, right time, good deliveries, and uh, just fortunate to score. And uh, it's kind of been like that my whole life, just fi finding a way to score no matter what the competition is. But they're cheaper as pros, aren't they? They're chippier. Or you're getting more elbows, aren't you? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, maybe a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more physical. Yeah, <laughs> they know they know how to get away with it, right? The, the, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That's, that's, most most players will tell you that. The more experience someone has, the the more they know how to do little things, so the the ref the the ref yeah. doesn't see it. Yeah, you're probably right about that. All right, so you guys just had a, a four game homestand, and I know there was a lot of focus on that. And if if people haven't heard, or just to remind people, the Canadian Premier League season has a spring session and a fall session. The spring session is over, and Calgary, Calvary FC, as they're called, won it, right? So right. They're, in, they're in the final. Right. So the fall session, if you guys finish first in the fall and you're tied for first, right. then you get into the final with Calgary. If, if Calgary wins the second half of the season, then it's the team with the next best overall record. So you're also gunning for that, one or the other. You guys are off to a good start. Right. Uh, now, you had the four-game homestand. One of the games took... Uh, was it over three hours to play? Close to four hours because of the rain and the lightning? Yeah. That I Wednesday think, night game? I think that we were uh, scheduled to kick off at 7, and then we kicked off at 7.45 or something, but only got about eight minutes of the game in before the refs called it. Um, so then we stayed back in the dressing rooms, I think, until like 9 or 9.15 or something. And, and what did you do? Oh. <laughs> I think we had some clips playing on our TV in our change room of, of YouTube goals, soccer goals played on YouTube, something like that. We, it's it's kind of a, a tough position to be in because you need to try to remain focused, but at the same time, in the back of your mind, you're wondering, are we even going to play this game tonight? Um, so it, it's kind of a, a tough complex of remaining... Uh, cool, calm and cool, but then also being able to hype yourself back up and get ready for the game. So I actually, I felt like it was a, a bit of a, a tough situation. So Easton, obviously the, the lightning went away because they wouldn't have played in the lightning. That's not safe for the players and the fans. But once you got back out there, what were the field conditions like? Yeah, you know what? I didn't get subbed on until there was about 20 minutes left. Okay. But at that point, it would have been, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Dried out a little bit. 10.30 maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was probably ready for bed at that point. <laughs> Not really uh, looking to go out and play uh, the last 20 minutes of a soccer game. But, uh, yeah, the field conditions definitely dried up a bit. And it wasn't bad. So you were slipping around. You had, the footing was okay? Yeah, it was okay. And on turf, it's uh, it's always going to be 
okay for that. Different than than grass, I yeah, suppose. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. All right, so you, that that one ended scoreless. Right. Uh, yeah. So when you, so when there's a scoreless draw in soccer, Connor, you're thrilled because you're a goal. Well, you're thrilled you didn't allow any in. Yeah. Uh, but you, Easton, and the offensive guys, are you kicking yourselves a bit or lamenting the ones that were just a few inches over the crossbar? Yeah, or what? If, uh, if you had chances, you're definitely wishing you could have had them back, especially in a 0-0 game. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. Then you had a, another draw, and then you and then you won your last two. And Easton, obviously, you, you've had well four goals in your last three and three yeah. three in your last two. Was it Pacific you guys beat on the weekend? Yeah, yeah that was. Can you just ask? Can game. you next time you play them? Can you chirp them from me about their name? <laughs> like Pacific FC, I think's the worst name in the league. Like uh, you know, you guys have an FC name. You guys were first. Let's face it, a lot of teams ripped that off. Yeah. Pacific FC, I joke, what, like, what do they have, a floating stadium in the middle of the ocean? Like, where are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit of a questionable one there. <laughs> I don't know if that would be actually would be a good chirp, but maybe I'll, I'll do it myself. <laughs> um, all right, so you're going to Calgary on Friday. The winner gets sole possession of first in the fall session. That's right, yeah. So how are you guys approaching this one? I mean, is this a sense of excitement, or what's the mood like? Yeah, I think I think the team is pretty excited. I think things have been rolling for us over the last four games, the the home stand. So um, I think everybody's pretty excited for it. Everybody knows what's at stake, and we know that we have a good opportunity to take uh, a cavalry team that's going to be pretty tired from their Canadian Championship games. All right, because they're playing. Why are they playing tomorrow? Tomorrow, right, yeah. Wednesday night. And they played on the weekend. And they played the Canadian Championship last. So they're playing like four games in, what, nine days, ten days? Yeah, about ten days. Okay. We're going to have more here with uh, Easton Ongaro and Connor James from FC Edmonton. you have any questions for the boys, you can text 630-630. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Greg Ellingson of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Shed. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Bottom of the fifth, Blue Jays leading Texas 1-0. Joined in studio by FC Edmonton goalkeeper Connor James and striker Easton Ongaro, who uh, is the reigning Volkswagen performer of the week in the Canadian Premier League, so congratulations on that. Uh, thank you. Do you get a Volkswagen? I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cars for everybody. Yeah. Easton scored again. <laughs> now, you guys, uh, uh, young Easton, I mentioned you're 21. Connor, you're 23. Right. Um, but now, this is funny. I, I got to get Easton to tell the story. Easton has a memory that Connor does not <laughs> of you two playing against each other as, as younger gentlemen. Yeah, it would have been uh, probably like U16, and I was playing a couple years up in a tournament. And. Uh, it was just one moment I remember where a ball came across the box and it would have been an easy tap-in for me. I should have scored it. And uh, Connor came out of nowhere and just stuffed it. And, uh, yeah, stopped me from scoring. <laughs> kind of stuck with me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, Connor doesn't remember that because he no, just no. sitting there saying, of course That's I stopped. That's the usual it. for That's him. That's my well, job. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd like to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so you, were, you got to play at a higher age category. You were that good? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I uh, I played with a year up throughout my whole youth career, pretty much. Okay. And uh, we were in a tournament that was a year up for everyone else, so it was two years for me. Okay. Yeah. And did you always have the height? Uh, not really, no. It kind of came uh, in high school later on. I, I was joking. Well, not joking. It is International Left-Handers Day. Which f- Do you have a preferred foot? 
I am left-footed. You are left-footed. Oh, you are left-footed and left-handed. Oh, it's it's, it's your day. But, especially when you reach higher levels, you you can't always get it off on your preferred side, right? Yeah, that's right. So what do you do to practice to make the right foot hopefully feel as natural as the left or does it does it does it feel as natural uh not even close and uh i don't really enjoy practicing my right foot but uh yeah just in training and stuff uh here and there to take maybe one out of ten with the right foot okay give, yeah. give it a little practice but yeah i don't know i'm very dominant left-footed i think okay so connor you you as a goaltender then you have to know the foot of every opposition member yeah yeah that's actually one thing that i always clarify with our coaches right before the game what uh what what is the dominant foot of each of the strikers or attacking players even on the other teams will guys even try a shot without their dominant foot in a game for sure they'll try it but uh it's just if the opportunity presents itself um i think that all of them prefer to shoot with their dominant foot sure. but if the opportunity presents itself to get a shot off with their non-dominant foot they'll take it but you must be able to read the body language and and know if he's because i would think it they got to do a little more of a wind up or change They're, they must have to telegraph it more if it's coming off the non-dominant foot yeah yeah i would definitely agree with that it's a little bit more pronounced when they're kind of preparing to strike a ball with their non-dominant foot mm-hmm. but it's uh it's always something that I yell at the defenders to try to push them onto their non-dominant foot because it just makes it so much easier for me. Right. Uh, who has the hardest shot in practice? <laughs> uh, hmm. Oh, you know what? I was going to say, I didn't want to say it. I was going to say Randy, but he's, <laughs> it's not Randy. It's, uh, it's Amir Didich. Yeah, I, yeah. I hate when he winds up to take a shot on me. He's a center back, so it's not common. Okay. But sometimes he'll jump in in the finishing drills and... It's, uh, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I enjoy stopping shots, but I don't really like facing his shots. <laughs> Most of his are uh, about 20 feet over the net, though. So, so True, there's yeah. a reason he's more of a defensive role. True, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, when you, when you obviously, what's the line for you, Easton, with the, the power of a shot and the placement of the shot? Yeah, I guess it depends on the situation. Um, closer in you're just looking to find an opening on the goalie where he's leaving a vulnerable space um, a little bit further out obviously you got to hit a little bit harder um, but yeah for me it's definitely just uh, what what the best thing is in that situation whether it be placement or power what's the longest range goal you've ever scored oh I haven't scored many from outside the box <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> maybe like 25 yards on a free kick well, that's not bad. 25 to 30. Yeah. So well outside the box then. Yeah. yeah. Connor, when a lot of people watch soccer highlights, and I'm sure you talk to, a, I, I realize there are a lot of Canadians who love soccer, but there are a lot who might watch it much more casually. And they see a goal go in, and the net's, you know, the, the net's pretty big, but also sometimes, like, well, how could the goalie not get to that? Or, well, why was he there if he just put a step back? Like, there's so many little intricacies to your position that, I've always felt bad for the goalie because there's you see a routine save and you think, oh, well, whatever, easy save. But then you see a similar shot that goes in and you realize, wow, that went in because the goalie was 18 inches over to his right or forward or back. It makes such a big difference. Yeah, yeah. It's actually something that I've always been fascinated with uh, since I became a goalkeeper, watching goals that are scored in English Premier League games that I'd be watching on a Saturday or a Sunday morning. Um, and 
just really considering all the elements that go into why the goalkeeper was positioned in a certain spot or what he would have had going through his mind um, with the different players moving in different areas and what he has to be conscious of. Um, and that often leads to why he was positioned in a, in a certain spot. Um, but it, it's really interesting when you have a goalkeeper's perspective to see goalkeepers making other saves because there's lots of times where a commentator will say, oh, what an amazing save. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, that was just extremely routine. That was a straight, straight up, straightforward save. And then there's lots of times <laughs> where a goalkeeper will make a save that I think is unbelievably challenging. And then the the commentator will say, ah, oh, well, it was only three feet away from him. It's expected that he would make that save. So I think that it really changes your perspective once you have a better knowledge of that position. I know hockey's totally different, but I do the Oilers postgame show with Rob Brown, who played with, with Tom Barrasso in Pittsburgh for part of his career. And Barrasso said, if you ever see me diving or sprawling or desperately lunging to make a save... I've screwed up because I've misread the play and I'm out of position. Yeah. Like I might stop it and it might look great, but I've actually made a mistake yeah. on the play. I thought that was interesting. Have you ever felt it's, like that? Oh yeah, for sure. It's uh, yeah, it's the same in soccer. Okay, so you guys are at Calvary FC on Friday. What time's the game? I think it's at seven. Seven. Yeah. Seven, and it's Al Clasico. That's what we're calling the Battle of Alberta in the yeah. CanPL. That's yeah. awesome. Okay, I'll try to go with that. Uh, so the winner gets. We'll move into first. Right. And then Monday, you're right back at it. Yeah, we take on Winnipeg on Monday night. And you got to go to Winnipeg for that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wish you guys all the best. This was fun you're coming in, both guys who played for the Golden Bears, and I wish you continued success. Thank you very much, Reed. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Easton on Garrow, four goals in his last three games. Volkswagen Performer of the Week in the Canadian Premier League. Connor James has five clean sheets for FC Edmonton this season. They're both doing great. We'll keep you updated on how they're doing. Hey, uh, this is going to be fun. Coming up after the 7 o'clock news, Kelsey Mitchell from Sherwood Park. She won two medals in cycling at the Pan Am Games. Uh, we'll get the full story. But two years ago, she wasn't even a cyclist. And now she's one of the best in the country trying to be one of the best in the world that's next 630 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on 630 chad